Hello, friends. Today's episode is the first in what I hope will be a series spanning many decades. The idea of this series is to follow one young woman for many, many years on her journey through life. The inspiration for this came from the Up series in Britain, a television show that I've been incredibly moved by and wanted to do my own version of. The first portion of this premiere episode was recorded in November of 2019, one year ago. After COVID-19 obviously changed the world, we recorded a follow-up, which you'll hear in the second part of the episode. So with no further ado, welcome to the life of Claire Whitney. Welcome to the Memories of a Moonbird podcast, exploring life one story at a time. Hello, friends. I'm Daniel Sherl. Today on the show, she's a 19-year-old who has agreed to let her life story be followed for many years to come. At the time of this recording, it's Tuesday, November 26th of 2019, two days before Thanksgiving at 4 o'clock p.m. Her name is Claire Whitney, and in a couple of months, she's going to be leaving for Australia to go to college at the University of Canberra. Claire is the daughter and only child of Justine and Scott Whitney. They've been friends of mine for more than a decade, and Justine is not only an amazing Australian chef, but she was one of the first guests on my show. I actually met their daughter, Claire, when she was about eight years old because I was directing a movie at the time, and Justine and Scott had graciously agreed to let us film part of it at their house. The entire cast and crew hung out with their family, but what's really funny is that Claire had actually made some chalk drawings on the sidewalk, and we ended up filming them in one of the scenes, and so they made a cameo in the movie. I want to say a big thank you to Justine, because it was actually her idea during a casual conversation to bring Claire onto the show. She said, you know, she's all grown up, and she's incredibly fascinating, and I know she's my daughter, but I think she'd be really wonderful to interview. So I called Claire to talk to her about it and explain the show. And while we were brainstorming, I said, you know, how would you like to do something a little bit crazy and come onto the show at least once a year for the next 20 or 30 years or as long as I'm doing this and and we'll follow you throughout your life? She said yes. And so here we are. One of my goals with this series is not only to follow this wonderful human being on the journey of her life, but also to give her generation a chance to have a voice and talk about how they see the world today. And so it gives me great pleasure to welcome to the Memories of a Moonbird podcast for the first time, Miss Claire Whitney. Claire, welcome to the show. Hello. How are you doing? I am wonderful today. How are you? I'm great. So the daughter of Justine Whitney, who we've had on the show, uh, you were not born in Australia, though. No, I was born in Thousand Oaks of all places. Uh, For the audience who doesn't know you and doesn't know what's going on, you are getting ready to go to Australia Possibly permanently to go as a student for your college education, right? Correct. What made you decide to go study in Australia? There was a couple factors that I thought about before making my final decision to study at the University of Canberra. I was really focused on what I wanted to study. And for the longest time, I thought that was going to be something in the science world. I took two years of environmental science in high school. I originally wanted to take physics because I wanted to be an astrophysics major of all things because I I love the stars. Everything about the universe makes me overwhelmed with fascination. Hmm. And I really wanted to go into that realm, but I somehow ended up in environmental science, went from there and never turned back. And 
I could not be more excited. That's really cool. Since you mentioned the universe, I'm curious if a spaceship landed right now and wanted to whisk you away on a great adventure in the unknown, would you go off with them into outer space? You know, as much as I have loved space for so long, I don't think I would because I'd actually want to learn how to live in space before I went because space is not easy. And because of the situation that we have here... I look at the world as something that is so incredibly special. It's not something that you see every day in the universe. Mm-hmm. I think that if I were given that opportunity, I would want to stay here, not only because I would probably turn into a useless blob on the International (laughs) Space Station, but also because I believe that we have so much to be grateful for here on Earth. And I think that before everybody jumps into a spaceship and flies off to Mars or further off, we should try to save this one first. Well said. And let's bring things back to Earth then. You climbed Mount Whitney with your dad, right? I did, yeah. How long did that take? That took 18 hours. We did a 24-hour window. So we got incredibly lucky because we had perfect weather conditions. The temperature was great. We had nothing to worry about except to make it to the top or not make it to the top, but to make it back down safely. And what do you know the, the height of the top of Whitney? I don't know. 14,508. It's the tallest mountain in the continuous U.S. For me, Mount Whitney was probably one of the most mon- monumental things that I've done in my life. Hence why I have a tattoo on my arm of the silhouette. What made it so monumental for you? For me, that was something that I solely, me, I pushed myself to do that. And sometimes... Did you train ahead of time? Yeah. I trained for three and a half months, but it was ridiculous training on that. But it's what actually got me up the 99 switchbacks, which is one section of the mountain that is two and a bit miles. And it's literally 99 switchbacks going up over a thousand feet of elevation gain. And you're at 11,000 feet when you start and you finish out at the trail crest, which is 13,600 feet. Wow. And then you have one point five miles left in the trail to get to the summit, but it is not easy. I think it's amazing that you got to have this experience with your dad. Oh, definitely. Because I, I, when I moved to California, I drove across the country with my father and he and I got to spend six days together. Yeah. And, and for people who actually like their parents, and I know that's not everybody, (laughs) you know, but you have, you have great parents and, and, uh, I think it's such a wonderful thing to be able to share those experiences. And I think the rest of your life, of course, you're going to remember this. You know? Yeah, and I definitely will. It's it's something that I actually want to do again. And some people are like, why would you want to put yourself through that again? That's crazy. But there's something that happens to you after you hit that 10,000 foot marker. After you get above that elevation, everything just kind of melts away. Mm. It's it's really fascinating. So you're about to start a whole new chapter of your life at university. And I was wondering just how are you how are you feeling about that? I wasn't really thinking about it for a really long time. So when I did start to think about it again and really understand what was happening, I kind of went into a little bit of a slump. I believe that for a while I wasn't the happiest person of all things. Because now why is that? I think I realized that I had to leave my home behind. Mm. Every time I'd think about moving to Australia, I would say, oh, this is incredible. I'm going to have the best time. And then I'd go somewhere in the States or in California or out in my backyard and be like, oh, shit, I got to leave all this behind. So to go to Australia and spend some time away, I think it will be good for me because I think I'm really going to find myself in all of that crazy mess and cramming for exams. And I think it's going to be a really 
well, interesting I adventure. I, I agree. And I think you're very correct about you finding yourself. That's just the natural path of life. Uh, yeah. I think that most people, I don't want to spoil anything for you, Claire. So <laughs> you just get out there and have a great time. You be yourself. You're, you're an awesome person. Thank you. And I'm excited for you. I really believe that uh, if if it was possible for every human being to actually study abroad for at least a couple of years of their life, it's an experience that I wish every human being could have. And I firmly believe, will always believe that if every human traveled more, we would have a much better world. It, everybody would be much happier. Is there uh, something you don't like about traveling? There's so many damn people on this planet. I used to, the first time I ever went to Yosemite Valley, which was maybe 2015, I got super lucky and we got snowed in. And there was maybe a hundred people in the valley and that was it. Mm, awesome. And half of those people were the park rangers. And I went this year in July, there I believe. There was 10,000 people in there the was valley? Like 10, yeah, there was like 10,000 people in the valley. And I was yeah. sitting there going, I hate people. There's a reason that I rock climb and that I go outside so much. And that's because I want to get away from people. Now, it's interesting because you talk earlier about wanting to save the planet. We have such a beautiful planet. There's so many things. And it seems very, you're talking about the uh, the sentimentality of people and all these good things. And then next breath, you're like, but I hate people. Yeah. Which I think is at the core of what everybody on the planet feels, which is, I really love this planet. I love life, but I hate people. And I don't think anyone actually really hates people. I think we all hate annoying people. Sometimes I know for me with an environmental brain, and I have a lot of friends that are very judgmental of how I think because it's not like a normal person, but I look at people and I look at what they're using and I'm like, you have a plastic straw and you have a metal straw sitting in your bag, but you took the plastic straw because it was more convenient. Why would you do that? That makes no sense to me. So I look at it as you are literally wasting oxygen and useful resources that other people can use because you want to be convenient. And I think that's one of the issues that so many countries, especially first world countries, are so messed up about. But you look at different countries and you see that there's so many of them that are making a conscious effort to change the way that their society thinks that if we did that in the States, we would make such a big difference. So you believe one person can make a difference? I do believe one person can make a difference. But at the same time, you have to get everybody on board. If you want to stop the amount of greenhouse gases going into the atmosphere... Cows farting. Yes. More than 70% of the greenhouse gases that are entering Earth's atmosphere are from cattle. So you have all of these cattle farms and unfortunately very unsanitary ranches and just areas where there's hundreds of thousands of cattle that are being fed antibiotics. And I'm, I'm not going to get too into it, but you have all of these areas that are just chock full of cattle and animals. Unfortunately, you can't just stop the production of meat products. I've, I'm a firm believer that if you, Do you eat meat, no, I'm vegetarian. I've been vegetarian for more than a year and a half now. Okay. And I'm not going to lie, I have not really craved the taste of meat or anything to do with it probably since a month after I actually went vegetarian, which was last November, or no, probably last July. So it's been a while mm. since I've like had flesh. That sounds like a strange way of saying it, <laughs> but <laughs> it's, it's funny, you don't really miss it after a while, and... I'm a firm believer that you can't really judge something until you try it. In this kind of scenario where you have 
a, a very visible issue with the amount of meat that we are consuming as a society, a global society, not just America. Right. You have to realize that what, ch- that what choices you're making do have an impact. Yes. You can't just look at something and say, oh, it's just one straw. It's just one burger. There's 7.5 billion people that are saying the same thing. Yeah. So you have to make the conscious decision to well, change you don't your have behavior. To, but you should. You don't have to, but you should. Yes. If you have a heart and soul and the slightest inkling to be helpful, then yes, I think it's your moral yeah. responsibility to do so. In all fairness, though, you and I were raised in America by middle-class families who provided a quality of, of existence with parents who actually like us, who are not abusive and loving. And you know what I'm saying? Like we, yeah. we are the fortunate ones. There are so many people that grow up. And I didn't realize this until I traveled and I saw you know, Bedouins in the desert living the way they did in a metal shed. And I've been to areas of the third world where it's, it's, you know, lucky if your water is even palatable. They have nothing. And so I think it's a lot harder for people in those circumstances uh, to deal with these things where you and I have the luxury of just being, you know, white American children of the middle class. You know, we have white privilege. We have all these, it's, it's, um, it's easy to say these things from our perspective, but I do think they're important to start saying, and I'm not trying to poo-poo it. I think if you have the luxury like we do to make the decision and make the switch, then I think you should. Absolutely. Like like I said before, I'll try everything twice. I, (laughs) what's something you tried twice that you didn't like that I didn't like. It's like a food item or something that my mother going to hear this. (laughs) I have a lot of friends that have like offered me a drink or some sort of substance and I just don't feel the need to partake in it. Like not to say that I'm not a risk taker because I climb rocks for fun, which is kind of stupid. Well, let's talk about that for a minute. So you're a fellow rock climber. Woohoo. Uh, what, what got you into it real quickly? This is kind of a funny story. Cause I, is it a long story? No, it's not a long story. <laughs> Shush. But I, of all things, a person got me into it as opposed to like a, Reading a climbing magazine and going, oh, I want to try that? In a way, yeah, because I had been looking at Boulder Dash, which is the local climbing gym in my area, yep. for a really long time. And I was like, I was always looking at it going, I'm going to go in there one day and I'm going to get on that damn wall and I'm going to give this a shot. And I never did. And I went to outdoor school, which is like a like the school district where I am. It's like a funded program where all the sixth graders in the area... <sighs> get to go to (laughs) basically I met one of the camp counselors there and he introduced me to the sport and we kind of hit it off and we've been best friends ever since which is really cool he's one of the people that met me up in Tahoe cool and he's the person that got me into it so I have to credit all of my climbing crudité to him wow (laughs) so fancy But yeah, he's the person that got me into it. My favorite thing about climbing is that I get to do things with my body that I never thought I could do. It's such a good feeling too. And I think the funny thing is there's my, one of my favorite things to do is like the chimney and the corner spots where you can like push yourself up in the wall and you're like all squished together and then you come out on top and it's just the best feeling in the world. Where is some place you've never been that you want to travel to? I mean, Antarctica is definitely one of the places that I've always wanted to go to. As well as, of all places, the United Arab, Arab Emirates, but not like the city, like the outside of it, if that makes sense, like the sand dunes and kind of like the shit that you'd see in Aladdin. That sounds so weird, but <laughs> basically 
Like the African savanna as well. I, like, I would happily go on any one of those trips. Those sound awesome. I'm curious to ask you, because of your age and your generation, if you had your iPhone or any electronics taken away from you for six months, do you think you're going to be okay with it? I'd kind of be okay with it. I don't think I would get that freaked out. I know people that can't go three seconds without looking at their phone <laughs> or checking Instagram or going on Twitter to see what God knows who has posted about. But I definitely think that I could survive that. Generally, how do you feel about the state of the world today? I'll give you five things. I think that anyone over 65 and plus used all of our uh, social security, which kind of sucks. I think that the world uses too much plastic. I think that most of the people that are younger than the age of 25 kind of get shit on for using technology when it's been a really helpful asset for us to gain traction for the future. That's three, right? Mm -hmm. Four would be, I hate the way that the earth has been treated. We treat it like it's garbage when we should be treating it like it's some sacred text, which it kind of is. And then the fifth one would be that each person on this planet, like I believe that every person, everybody on the earth is born for a reason, but sometimes there's just too many of us. And we just got to kill some off. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm not going to get into any of that because that is not, this is not the right place to talk about that. The Sunday night executions oh on ABC. Oh my God. I think I, I think I would go to space then. Uh, <laughs> I, think, I think that would be the point when I get on a spaceship and leave. Not to, not to say that I'm a coward and I could fight off some pretty crazy people, but. Are you hopeful for the future? I am. I try to believe that I'm a hopeful person, but at this point in time, I don't think that we're going to be able to save as many organisms as we would like to. I think we're very off track for what we want to achieve because not as many people or not enough people are taking action. As you walk around in your everyday life as a 19-year-old, are you scared? A little bit, yeah. What, for, of, of what the most? Not being, this is going to sound so strange, but not being able to breathe because we live in LA, we witness and have to endure the brown smog that is in the area all the time. The way that the brown smog emerges, it's a big mixture of all of the NOxes, which are the emissions that come out of the car exhaust, the ocean atmosphere, so all of that marine layer that you get in, and then just everything else that comes down from the Factories mountains. And yeah, and it just mixes and it sits in LA and it doesn't move. And I am kind of scared for the future of the fact that if I have children and I bring them back to Los Angeles, that every time they take a breath, it's not going to be clean. You're going to be taking in and coughing. Mm. And I don't want that for the future because that's a basic human right. What do you hope to change about yourself and the world? My goal in life is to educate people on how they can better themselves for the environment. And with that said, I want to help people understand what they are doing either is correct and correct is such a loose term, but what they're doing is going to benefit the future or what they're doing is heavily detrimental and incorrect for what we want to achieve as a society. As far as myself, you know, I think that's more undecided than anything. 
Nothing wrong with that. I don't think I can make a clear statement that will make sense for me to really achieve what I would want to change about myself. Because like I said before... Well, you know, when you're perfect, what's left to change, right? That's how I always feel. Pish posh. Just kidding. I'm not perfect (laughs) at all. (laughs) But I definitely think that that's something for the future Claire to think about. Well, I look forward to talking to future Claire and and looking back on today and what what she has changed. That'll be a very interesting conversation and a great future podcast. How often as a 19 year old do you think you are sad versus content versus happy? And do you know the difference between happiness and contentment? I definitely think I do. I feel content a lot when I listen to Coldplay about things. (laughs) They're very much, um, I will say that music has definitely been a large part of my life. It is a big factor of when I am happy or sad or content, all of the three. And for a while, I will say that I think I was more sad than happy, which is a bummer to say, but I think I went through a slump having this time between graduating high school and going away to college in another country has been a big move as it should be. But it was really interesting because I watched all of my friends move away because they're all staying in the States to go to college or they're staying in town to go to community college. But it was really a strange feeling to watch everybody I love just disappear. Same thing happened to me actually. So when I, after I graduated high school, uh, I stayed in town and I got a job and I decided not to go to college right away. I was going to wait a little while before I did. Yeah. And then, so I watched everybody leave and then suddenly the town just changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a very, it's a hard change. It is a age, hard change. Yeah. And I think for a while I was trying to fill my time with different ways of trying to please myself. So there was one week where I would climb a bunch And then there was another where I would go on hikes and then another where I would stay at my coffee shop and do nothing but sit and talk to different people. And I think that going through all those strange little phases kind of helped me to come out on the other side as a much more happy and content person. I also think that moving forward with my college application and not the application itself, but enrolling in classes and finally getting my housing and get the getting the ball rolling has helped a lot as well because it, my mind's back on track with it. Are you going to be living on campus or off? I will be living on campus, which I'm really excited about. Cool. Yeah. Claire, do you believe in love? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I don't know because I definitely think that there is such a thing as soulmates But I do think that you can love many different people before you meet your soulmate as well. I don't think that you meet that person and it's just like, boom, I'm in love with this person for the rest of my life. But I definitely think that it it does exist, but I don't think that I've experienced it yet. Do you believe in marriage? And how would you define marriage? I do believe in marriage, but it's not the kind of marriage that like you were taught or that your grandparents were taught. It's not really a type of thing where you stand in front of people and have the Lord or the state interfere with your relationship. I think that it's something that is, it's a, to me, it's a daily commitment to the other person that you love. 
Now, what about your parents? Do you look at them as a model of the kind of relationship you want to have? I definitely do. And I think the funny thing is the saying that goes, you marry your father because you look for those kind of traits that your dad taught you and that he reciprocated when you were growing up. I think that's a very true statement because I've seen a couple family friends grow up and marry people that are very, very, very similar to their fathers. And it's kind of creepy, but it's also really cool. In my personal opinion, I think marriage has actually been misrepresented uh, in culture, at least in American culture, because we have all these movies where it's like, oh my God, my soulmate. And then they meet and they passionately kiss. And then they're just, they're just in this incredible, you it's know. It's all the mushy stuff. You miss the reality. Yeah. I mean, it is, it is much more about teamwork. And if you don't have a good teammate Definitely. that can be with you through all, yeah, through all the stuff and whether it's the grocery shopping or the, Hey, I can grab that on the way home from work. If you, you know, I'll clean out the pets thing. If you cook dinner and like whatever it is, it's the little things that add up yeah, over time. Absolutely. And if you have a good teammate, then the love, the mushy stuff really does. It's beautiful. It feels great. It's wonderful. Yeah. Um, but if the teammate stuff's not there, then I think that's where all the resentment and anger builds. And, and it's hard to have romantic love when you don't have teammate love. In Definitely. My I think so. Yeah. I have been called a hopeless romantic before. And I think it's kind of ironic because I am probably the most awkward person you'll ever meet if you try <laughs> to date me. It is very strange because I've had a couple people come up to me and they're obviously flirting. And I'm like, I'm going to go get a coffee. I'll be right back. And then I'd run out of the place that I'm in. Like, it's not good. I'm so socially awkward when it comes to relationships Why and do you stuff think like that, that. Is? I think it's because I grew up in a very comfortable situation with my parents. Being an only child has really thrown me into a much more mature world. So when I interact with people my age, I don't really know what to do. Hmm. I'm much more comfortable with people over the over the age that I am than I am with people my age or younger. So it won't be a surprise when you date someone and they're 15 years older than you. Uh, that might be a little weird. <laughs> uh, we'll see. I mean, it could be a possibility. One of my best friends is actually dating a 32-year-old and she's 19 and it's no issue for them. I'm going to leave that alone. <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to get into that one. 20 years from now, if you listen back to this podcast, who do you hope you've become and what do you hope you've accomplished? Well, I really hope I'm not sitting in a ditch somewhere. That would suck. But I think that if I were to listen back on this in the future, I would hope to be a successful person, but not in terms of money, but in terms of knowledge. I would love to be really well-rounded in the world of science and digital media, which is my major, and life skills because growing up in a perfect town. It's hard to learn how to carry yourself on the street. On the street. On the street. <laughs> but to me, knowledge is money. So if I can have more knowledge in my future, then that is amazing for me. Do you want children of your own? And if so, how many? No, zero. I don't <laughs> want kids. And if I do ever decide to have children, I would rather adopt. I like how fast you that answered that quick. question. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no kids for me. My parents kind of tease me about that. And they're like, you'll want kids. And I'm like, no. What do you think the older generations don't understand about yours? I don't think they understand our expression. I think that, take my grandparents, for example, they are very much conservative people that keep a lot of things to themselves and appreciate glamour as their form of expression. 
but my generation's form of expression is much more open to interpretation, if that makes sense, because you have all these different people expressing themselves in so many different ways compared to older generations. It was kind of uniform in a way, and I don't mean to hate on other generations because you look at so many, like the 60s, for example, that was just an outburst of color and sexuality and psychedelics and everything. And I think that in a way, my generation is kind of like a renewal of the 60s, but in a much more technologically advanced way. We are very free with ourselves. We don't care about what anybody else thinks. But I do think that one of our main issues is social anxiety and instant gratification because cell phones and technology in general has made it so easy to judge people from really, really great distances. We're just a lot more different in the way we express ourselves. And I know I didn't really answer the question fully, but... You don't have to. You answered the question your way. That's what's important. I My just, dad always said, never judge someone until you've walked a mile in their shoes. Mm -hmm. That way, when you judge them, you're a mile away and you have their shoes. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely think that it's much more fluid. I know that's not a very... It's a very uh, common term these days. Yeah, I think it's a lot more fluid in the way that we see things because... I know for myself and a lot of my friends, when they're put in a situation, we like to look at both sides. Are you at all concerned that fluidity is going to stand in the way of decision making? Sometimes I do think so. I think that, yes, my generation has done some wonderful things, but I think one of our biggest issues is that we are really big procrastinators. We take a lot of time to do things. And I think one of the issues would be technology. But I think the other thing, like you said, is we are too fluid with our decisions. But when it comes to the more detrimental things in our lives, like where am I going to go to college? Am I going to pay the rent on time? Should I stay in this place or should I move somewhere else for the better job opportunity? I think in those places, I think we are able to make a sound decision and trust our judgment and back up what we're deciding. But sometimes I agree with what you're saying in that with some of the bigger decisions, we might have a tough time deciding what is right in that moment. Well, and the truth is, good or bad, that if a decision must be made in some any particular situation and someone is too wishy-washy or fluid and doesn't make a decision, the decision will eventually be made for them. Yeah, exactly. So I think they will have to face, if that is the case, they will have to face the reality that if they don't decide, then the lesson they're going to learn is that a decision will be made for them. And, you know, and, and I think and yeah, from and that, I've, you know, you'll glean, oh, I better, I better make decisions faster. I've had know? that done for me, which kind of sucks because it does. It sucks. Because you sit there and you think to yourself, well, I could do this or I could go back and do that or I could go in this direction and then by the time you have your decision and your answer the decision's already been made for you and it's like oh well if you gave me your answer maybe two days ago you yeah. could have had your way but you didn't decide in time. Do you think you're good at gleaning life lessons from people that have come before you? I think I am but I also think I suck at that <laughs> just because <laughs> I've, I've had some life lessons taught to me by just life itself but I've also had lessons taught to me by my dad, for example. Like when I first started to be my own person and I was really, really shitty with communication when mm. it came to me staying out 
later or for example, or where I was going and what I was doing. And it took me a little while to really understand what my parents were going through when it came to, oh, I'll be at this place for this amount of time. I'll be back at six o'clock, for example. And then I don't come home until like 830. And they're like, where the fuck have you been? You didn't tell us anything. And that that's not okay. It's not okay. And because they're worried you are in a ditch somewhere. Yeah. And being an only child and now being a young woman and seeing so many people that I know and that I've grown up with in situations where they either are ending up in ditches or in really not so great situations where they have to defend themselves makes me realize and understand how important communication is. Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the biggest life lessons that I've learned from my parents and just from life in general. One of the quotes I have on my website says, good judgment often comes from experience. Mm -hmm. However, experience sometimes comes from poor judgment. Yeah. So it's uh, it's an interesting... <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely a life, thought provoker. Right? Yes. Uh, overall, what do you think you have most to learn in life right now today? Time management. Yeah, I love how honest you are. That's great. I definitely think that I have learned how to time manage myself more recently than in earlier years, as a high school student, I was horrible with my time management. I was the kind of person to, up until maybe senior year when I finally got my shit together, but I was the kind of person to leave projects until like the night before or the class before and try to do them <laughs> as fast as I could and as best as I could. And I think I really could have pushed myself more if I had just learned how to manage my time. As my dad used to say, you don't own the patent on that. So yeah. <laughs> But I definitely think that that's going to come with college for me. I think that being in a new country and not knowing where I'm going at all with new classes, new curriculum, and just literally new everything, I think that time management will come with the move because if I can't get my shit together, then I'm literally, literally going to fall apart. As well as that, I definitely think that I will learn how to deal with more economical things, if that makes sense. Sure. Budgeting and finance. Budgeting, and... doing your taxes, financing, applying for credit. As a white middle-class American, I didn't really learn any of that or how to do that. And that's also my fault for not going to my parents and saying, hey, will you teach me how to do this? But I also kind of blame the school system that we have out here because mm -hmm. I... Knew a Why couple is it people. most kids graduate from high school in America and don't know how to fill out a tax form, which is something they have to do for the rest of their life? I've asked <laughs> this since we, 1989. Because they don't teach it in high school. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Claire, let's talk about the most important thing in the entire podcast. Food. Food. Yes. Do you have a favorite food? I love sushi, which is ironic because I'm vegetarian. But are you pescatarian? No. Oh, so you don't eat sushi anymore. I can't, which is really sad. I cry. But I love sushi. I also love anything with mushrooms in it. Mushrooms are one of my favorite vegetables on the planet. I love them. Right now, last meal on earth, what would it be? Mushroom risotto. Like like I said, I love mushrooms. I love pasta. This pasta is a big win. Yes. Yes. Carbs? Yes, please. <laughs> <laughs> at 19, you're allowed to have carbs. Yes. Yes. At 48, it's a little trickier. <laughs> What's it like having a mom who's a professional chef? I don't think I've ever had a bad meal in my life when I've been at home. It's <laughs> it's really nice. That's awesome. When I was younger, I used to have friends that would use me for my mother because they just <laughs> wanted to eat the food. That's hilarious. Are you close with your parents? 
I definitely think so. I would not be the person I am today without my parents. So I have to credit a lot of myself to them. If it's 20 years from now and you're 39 years old, about to turn 40, and you want to say something to your parents from the future back to today, what do you think from you would future. say? From 39-year-old Claire, what would she say to her parents today? Thank you for sticking through with me because I know I could be a bitch at times and get in the way of things and not be the best person I could be, but... I could not thank you more for sticking by my side through everything and helping me turn into hopefully the wonderful woman I am today. The last thing we're going to do, Claire, is I play a little game with every one of my Ooh. my interviewees called 299 Philosophical and Life Questions with Moonbird. Oh, so God. I've collected 299 questions from friends, family, and the internet. Are we answering all 299? Just two. You get to pick two numbers from one to 299, and I'll ask you those two questions. Go. 13. And 147. Okay. 13. Not the first time 13 has been asked. My lucky number. Would you consider yourself to be successful? Yes. But only in terms of not life achievements or work, but just in experiences. I think that I have been super successful in the places that I've been and the experiences that I've had in my life. I have been to so many places at such a young age. And I think that that success, being able to travel to so many places, wouldn't be credible if it weren't for my parents, which Mm -hmm. I think is really amazing. They taught me that travel is one of the only ways that you can really truly experience cultures and have them absorb into you or absorb those cultures into yourself and go through... And you absorb into them as well. And go through life with a little piece of them with you. So I think that I have been super successful with the places that I've been, and I hope to be successful with the places I will go in the future. And 147, did you say? Yes, 147. Do you believe in extraterrestrial... Oh my gosh, I love this question. (laughs) 147, do you believe in extraterrestrial life? Yes, I do. But it's not the kind of stupid shit that you see in the movies. I believe that it's more subsequent because... When you think of an extraterrestrial, everybody thinks of the little green men or Mars attacks or something really strange. I think that if we were to find extraterrestrial life, then it would be a lot different than we'd imagine it to be. I think the first extraterrestrial life that humans will find will most likely be some form of bacteria or something super, super small. Very cool. Yeah. I don't think we're going to find anything crazy large. I think that's super rare. Do you think we already have been visited? I do. And I think there's so many different conspiracies about that. And so many people are skeptical about it. But I do believe that we have been visited by some form of extraterrestrial life. But I don't think that it's something that we are ever going to be able to comprehend. A really good example of that is the movie Interstellar. That film was entirely based on scientific fact. The entire thing was based off of astrophysics and actual facts that NASA gave the film crew to make that movie. I think if we find extraterrestrial life, it'll be somewhere in the realm of that, which ironically, that film isn't based around extraterrestrial life. It's based around time travel and the warping of time itself. But I Yeah, I think that 
when we do meet that extraterrestrial being, it won't be anything that we're going to be able to comprehend until we see it or feel it for ourselves. And that's where our original episode ended. Claire left for Australia 10 months ago in January of 2020. And just when her new life was beginning, COVID-19 changed the world. I reached out to her to see how she was doing, and we recorded this follow-up just a few weeks ago. Claire Whitney, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm a little farther than before. Yes, you're several several miles away. Just a couple. <laughs> uh, I have something funny to tell you, Ray. Yep, I'm ready. So I don't know if you actually remember this or not, but we recorded our original episode a year ago. Has it been that long? It has. And during the episode, we talked about you going to Australia to start your new life. And you said, and I quote, I think it's going to be a really interesting adventure. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, has it been an interesting adventure? My goodness. So let's let's pick up where this let's start the sequel where the first episode left off. You uh you left for Australia shortly after we talked. I did. And what happened? So before I even left for Australia, I I ironically went snowboarding with one of my good friends for one of the first times and I broke my wrist. So well, I think somehow your broken wrist had that butterfly effect and then it set in motion all these things around the world, which oh, obviously caused the COVID-19 Oh my pandemic. goodness. <laughs> <laughs> but the funny thing about it, luckily now it's healed, but I, I moved to Australia. I left California on the 29th of January, landed on the 31st and... It was pretty calm for a while. Uh, we had a lot of interesting things going on here. Australia had just gone through the bushfires and that was causing a lot of smoke. It was ridiculously hot here. And I originally was supposed to be moving in pretty much immediately as soon as I got into the ACT. What's the ACT? So the, the Australian Capital Territory, it's basically like a bigger version of Washington, D.C. in Australia. Okay. But they pushed me back about a couple days, which was fine. But they had this massive heat wave where it got to, I think, 47 degrees Celsius, which is 120 Fahrenheit. It was absolutely ridiculously hot here. You moved there in January. Yes. You started classes in February. Mm -hmm. And then how long were you actually in classes before suddenly COVID hit the world? So I went into class on the 10th of February and I left uh, the ACT on the 17th of March. So what is that? Not even a month, almost, almost a month of classes, in-person classes. And then I, and then I left because I would have been trapped in maybe a hundred square meter apartment for three months if I hadn't left. And that probably would have sent me over the edge in a lot of different ways. So I have a family friend that my mom has known pretty much her whole life. And I was lucky enough to be able to stay with her through the pandemic. She's got a property on the South coast and she has 135 acres of pure bushland and just amazing forest land. And there's nothing around us, which is fantastic. So I went and spent three months of quarantine with her. Wow. How fortunate and, and wonderful that you got to be able to quarantine in a place like that. That's that's awesome. I know you and I had spoken offline briefly about you possibly changing your major. Uh, did that happen? Actually, it has. So at the beginning of this second semester, I went into the student center and applied for a bachelor in environmental science with two minor minors in environmental ecology and project management, or it has another name like applied ecology. And I was really nervous that I wasn't going to be able to get in, but luckily I did. So now I'm 
branching out and doing both digital media and environmental science. And it's extended my degree up until 2024, which doesn't bother me at all because I get to do both things that I love. That's really important. And that's really great. I'm really glad for you. I want to talk to you about COVID. Do you feel that Australia's response to the virus has been better than other places in the world? 100% better. The only country that I can think did a better job than us was probably New Zealand, but they also have a ridiculously small population. So Mm -hmm. they were able to control it much, much better than we were. Yeah. I've tried to explain New Zealand to people that the entire population of the whole country of New Zealand is about half the population of Los Angeles. New Zealand has more sheep than people as well. (laughs) 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 So did you, when you were at your friend's farm, essentially just chilling out during quarantine, did they have online classes available at the time or no, they put all the education on hold? They put education on hold for about two weeks, and then we started to go into online classes, Zoom calls, virtual rooms, kind of the same as the United States had done. But it was very hard for a period of time because, God bless my aunt, but she has about two bars of service Mm. for the entire property. (laughs) So I, there was one point in time where I was probably getting up at six in the morning, hiking up this giant hillside to sit on a cliff so I could do an online class and get service. But we we went to online pretty quickly. I was very surprised at how my university responded to it and just said, okay, this is how we're going to do everything. It's not going to be perfect, but we're going to give everybody leeway and we're just going to make sure that everybody can at least finish their classes, which is really nice because that's eventually what happened. How do you feel now that basically you're the first generation that has gone to this kind of extreme online education, not that there hasn't been some online learning before, but not of this level or caliber. Being that generation, how do you feel about the quality of your education versus what would have been in person? In all honesty, I do think that it has decreased a significant amount. I am definitely a face-to-face person. I know a lot of people that are very similar to me and need that face-to-face contact in order to soak in the information that they're receiving. I actually have a friend of mine who's also from California. He's from Riverside. He came out here to do his master's in physiology with UC, and he's actually put his semester on hold because he physically does not have the capacity to do online learning. Hmm. And I feel for that in a lot of ways, because as much as online learning has increased my capabilities and ability to respond faster to some scenarios, I really need the in-person contact to soak in information properly. Well, you guys back to in-person classes there now? We are, which is really nice. I have three in-person classes at the moment. And how did you feel safe? I do. I do carry face masks with me at all times. Now, are people walking across campus wearing masks and stuff or no? Yes and no. Uh, It's a very small population that is wearing masks at the moment, but most people will just follow social distancing rules and make sure that they're not coughing or getting too close to people. Not many people wear masks. Now, what about things like you're young and you're in college (laughs) and people want to party and have sex and hang out and be crazy and drink and all that stuff? How how is all that with with what's going on? Well, it's interesting. I, I had a couple big nights out before COVID-19 shut down all the clubs in Canberra. And that was pretty interesting watching the social distancing rules play out because I, I went to one of the clubs in the ACT before, like pretty much the day before they shut down. 
And I walked in and I was like, oh, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but I'm going to do it anyways. <laughs> I think everybody kind of had that mentality. And then it came out on Monday that everything was closing. So we were like, oh, we probably shouldn't have done that because COVID is now entering the ACT. Luckily, I've taken one or two COVID tests and they've come back negative, which has been amazing. Uh, so has my partner and everything has been good for the moment, but definitely that aspect of college life has definitely disappeared. I work in a pub down the street from where I from where I live on campus and you can definitely see that it's coming back in strides especially as the weather is warming up here and we're getting into summer. It's definitely coming back. It's become a lot more busy within the Friday and Saturday nights, but there is kind of that aspect missing because you don't have the parties, you don't have the nights out with friends, you can't do anything that's still over 20 people. I think we still have limits on what you can do. What are you doing at the pub? I, I'm a bartender there. So I work there four nights a week. But it's amazing. Like the cool thing about the bar itself is that it's kind of international. So we have a couple people from the States, we have a guy from uh, Nepal, we have one from Germany, it's a really cool little international niche for all these people from all over the world to meet and work together. So basically you're Tom Cruise from cocktail, flipping <laughs> bottles in the air and giving drinks, right? <laughs> I wouldn't say that, but I make a pretty mean cocktail. I'm curious, do you think that the whole experience so far of COVID and the change in education has actually changed you personally or no? I definitely think so. I have come out of this pandemic situation and also just the, the transition of moving into a new country has been not going to lie, it's been a little hard because I started off thinking that, silly me, I thought that I was on top of the world and that I could pretty much do anything coming here. <laughs> and the pandemic hit and it kind of it, it inhibited everybody from doing what they wanted to do. But I really got stuck in a rough patch for a while. And I personally believe that going to my aunt's farm and just sitting there and being able to spend that much time with myself and resolve things that I hadn't been able to resolve beforehand really, really helped. Just it helped me so much because mm -hmm. I didn't think that I would be able to battle those demons in such a calm and welcoming place. I I am a firm believer that in order to go forwards, you have to take a step backwards. And I really think that I was able to achieve that over the pandemic. Have you been able to help other kids your age that are not maybe not doing so well? I have, honestly, I think I have helped a couple. And as well as that, I, um, I've i been lucky enough to date a wonderful guy for the past six months. And he and I have really kind of pulled each other out of a rut. Because when I met him, I had just moved to Australia. We met each other in class. And I definitely think that we've helped each other. We've grown each individually, but we've also grown together as a couple, which has been amazing to watch. And he He's really, really helped me. And I really think that I... What's his name? His name's Ryan. Hello, Ryan. <laughs> I will tell him that you said hello. We'll see if Ryan makes it to episode four. Episode four? <laughs> <laughs> I hope he does. But yeah, he's really, he's really helped me. So, and I hope that I've helped him as well. Well, Clara, what do you think is the most important thing you've learned so far in your first year at university? Things take time. That's something that's something that I've definitely learned because I I thought that I could come back from the pandemic just kicking and swinging and 
kicking ass, but things do take time. I was just going to say, there's actually a famous quote that says, don't rush something you want to last forever. Exactly. So you're dating this guy, Ryan. Have you changed your <laughs> tune about not wanting children? Nope. Okay. Every every time we see a kid kicking and screaming, we kind of laugh and look at each other and go, want kids? And then we just look at each other and go, nope, just cats. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think in six months or a year, we're going to have an effective vaccine? I hope so. I really like to think so. Australia has been really, really focused on getting a vaccine. And I really, I hope that we have one because if we do, it's going to make everything else in life a lot easier. If a vaccine came out tomorrow, would you be first in line to say, sure, inject me? Heck yeah. I wouldn't mind being a test subject. I'm young enough. I have... I, I have a little to lose, but <laughs> I think that I, I definitely would be willing to put myself on the line in order to benefit the general public. If you were elected president tomorrow, what are the first three things you would do? I would reinstall us into the Paris Agreement. I would fund research for a vaccine. And I would, this is such a touchy subject, but I would I would take police in like precincts that have way too much money, like for example, the Los Angeles district, take some of that money money and put it towards research for hospitals so they can also turn beds faster and in turn lessen the amount of COVID-19 cases in the States. I know you said three, but I'll give four. I would also take the national parks and give them their funding back because the president took it away. Are there any books that you think should be mandatory reading for all human beings? Mandatory reading for all human beings. That is a tough one. I am becoming an avid reader. I wasn't a huge one in high school, but I personally believe that 1984 uh, by George Orwell, The Glass Castle and Lord of the Flies should definitely be read by every single person. They're, they're high school books. Everybody has to read them or most people in the States have to read them in high school, but they encapsulate a lot of really, really interesting and kind of predicting facts about how society has formed itself, especially 1984. And people describe 2020 as being an, Orwell an Orwellian society. And it's become a term now because of everything that has been happening. And I definitely believe that people that haven't read that book, haven't read 1984, really are missing out and don't understand how corrupt a lot of governments in the world are becoming. And Orwellian is literally the perfect way to describe it. So people that haven't read the book are honestly missing out because it explains a lot. Claire, I need to ask you about a very important subject now. Have you had any new foods that you've never had before since you moved to Australia? Oh, that is a very good question. You know, before <laughs> I before I moved to Australia, I had never had a chicken schnitty. Like chicken schnitzel in Germany? Yeah. It's just a chicken schnitzel, but it's huge here in the States, and I'd never had one before. I, I'm going to ask you to, for our listeners, for the future, every time we do an episode, every year, you have to have had some new food. Some new food. All right. I love it. Well, look, some people say that things in the world are the worst that they've ever seen, and some people say the world today is better than it's ever been. What do you think? I, I like to be an optimistic person, but I think we are, are on the lesser side of good we, we're not in a great position right now. If you're looking environmentally, uh, politically, and just society-based, um, if you're talking, like one, environmentally, this is one of the hotter years on record. We still have ocean levels rising. We still have a shitload of pollution. Um, I could go on, but I won't. But my question is, when you look back through all of human history, 
Is the world today better than it's ever been before, or is it worse than it's ever been? That is a good question, because both apply. But I have to say, I think it's, I think it's probably better than it's ever been, despite the pandemic and everything going on. I would agree. I think that the and when you say to people. Things are better than they've ever been. Oh my God, 2020 is such a bad year. Well, hold on. I, I just posted on Facebook about this actually, about how this is actually not that bad of a year compared to human history. And I posted all these like 13 different examples of years that were far worse than 2020 yeah. from the Stone Age till today. And <clears throat> as a perspective exercise, because people love their drama, they love, I don't know if you heard the term doom scrolling, but like like social media now loves to fuel the fires of, of terror and all these things are. But the reality is that life itself is actually so much better than it's ever been. Uh, this is not in denial, though. To say that is not in denial of the problems we have. That doesn't mean that there isn't an environment to fix. There aren't politics to fix. Of course, those things are true. But also when you can get people to just take a breath and calm down and go, hey, Life is pretty fucking great. Now let's get, now let's band together and let's fix the police. Let's fix racism. Let's fix the environment. Let's fix these things united, not divided like people try to do to us. You know, yeah. that's where I stand. No, I completely agree. I think although we have all these social, environmental, and political issues that we have to face, quality of life has gone up over 100% in the last 50 years. Women have so many more rights than we did before. Um, general equality for all races has increased, even though we're still facing a lot of issues right now, it has increased. I definitely believe that although we have all these issues, you are, you're correct. We, we have had a much better life experience at the moment than we did maybe 50, a hundred years ago. One of my favorite questions to ask on the show is this one. And I don't think I asked it of you the first time we talked. If you could sit for four hours with one person from all of human history, alive or dead in some old timey, really cool pub, excluding Jesus, Mohammed, Moses, or any prophet and anyone from your own family, who would you sit with? What would you drink? And what would you want to ask them? I think that it would have to be Carl Sagan. Yes. <laughs> I would probably have an old fashioned and I would ask him just about his endeavors and his experiences of traveling the world and being able to experience. Well, give me one actual specific question. Dr. Sagan is sitting in front of you and he's like, just call me Carl. It's okay. <laughs> and, and so, so now you look at me, you go, Carl, Carl, is there anything that you didn't tell us? Oh, that is so good, Claire. <laughs> so far, I think I think I'm going to give you the the gold trophy for best question, only selfishly because Carl Sagan is actually my pick, and the <laughs> listeners can't see this. But as you see, I have Cosmos right behind me on the yeah. shelf. So, um, fantastic way to butter me up. That's great. <laughs> if you could continue to live a healthy life, how long do you think you'd actually like to live? If I continued to live a long, healthy life, I hope to live. Age-wise or quality-wise? We'll go with age. I think if I if I kept up my exercise and ate well, I definitely think that I could probably live to at least 100, hopefully. I'd like to live to at least 200. <laughs> 200? You'd see a lot of shit in that time. I think 200 would be cool. If I could live to 200 and be healthy, that's the kicker here. That's the kicker. But if you could just take a magic pill, like be where I am right now and be like 180 years old, yeah, imagine right? the shit you're going to see. That'd be awesome. You'd get to like 150 and be like, I'm tired of this shit. I got 150 years out of it. <laughs> I could have like four different wives. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, 
Claire, what do you think is the purpose of art? I believe that it's to connect people and share different experiences. You don't have to exactly paint something and say that it's, oh, like this is what I want to be or this is what I've created. But I personally believe that it's to share experiences through each other's lives. What does success in life look like to you? Success in life is, for me, mental happiness and not exactly wealth or materialistic things, but more just finding peace with yourself and not having to worry about anything else. What's your spirit animal? My spirit animal? Oof, that is a good question. (laughs) I like to believe that it's some sort of bird. I don't know exactly which bird it would be, but... Now, see, if you really wanted to kiss my butt, you would say, it's a moon bird. And then you'd be like, (laughs) well done, well done. (laughs) I will say I do like nocturnal birds. So I'd have to say maybe an owl because I'm very observant. Probably a snowy owl. That's very cool. In the original episode, our first episode, uh, you said, I asked you if you were scared in your everyday life and you said a little bit, yes. Are you, do you still feel that way? No. What's changed? I think that living through a global pandemic, for, I definitely have like an, an overall like, public fear that the pandemic will come back. But in my day-to-day, day-to-day life, I think that has kind of disappeared because Throughout the past several months, I've become more accepting of myself and that mistakes are meant to happen. So you can't really change that. And I think that everything, everything happens for a reason. And if something happens, then you can't be afraid that it's going to. I'm going to ask you this question every time we talk. Are you hopeful for the future? I am hopeful for the future. I think since the last time we talked, I definitely think that my mindset has changed significantly. But I I am hopeful for the future in that I hope that we can create a vaccine within the next six to 12 months. Uh, I definitely think that we are on the on the precipice of moving towards a positive, a more positive future. And I am hopeful for that. Well, Claire, my friend, if we continue to do this, let's say 20, 30, 40 years, as long as we can. What do you think you're going to feel when you listen back to this 20 years from now and you're going on 40 years old and you listen to this first episode of you at 19? Why don't you make a a prediction of how you think you're going to feel at that time listening back to this episode and we'll see if it comes true. I feel like I'm going to sit here and go, wow, I sounded so young back then. (laughs) (laughs) And then I will also probably say that I was a lot more naive because I truly believe that probably every time that we do this, my mindset will change. I will become older and wiser and I will have more life experience. So I definitely think that hopefully for as long as we do this, um, I will hopefully become a better person. I think it's going to be absolutely hilarious if you're still with Ryan in 20 years and you have like three kids. Oh man. (laughs) I know I'm going to look back on this and be like, well, I was damn wrong about that one. (laughs) Well, Claire, it's always awesome to talk with you. I can't wait to keep doing this and let the people of the world see your life evolve. I sincerely want you to stay safe and, and hope you have nothing but great things happen over the next few months. And we will check back with you in 2021. Thank you very much for having me, Daniel. I look forward to it. Me too, buddy. Have a great day. 
Thank you. You too. Well, even though you won't hear back from Claire until 2021, we still have lots of great episodes to close out this year. So keep listening to the show. Next week, it's the Thanksgiving episode with actor Isaac C. Singleton Jr. So tune in next week. Show your support for the show at patreon.com forward slash moonbird. And if you want even more moonbird in your life than that, and hey, who wouldn't? Head on over to memoriesofamoonbird.com or visit me on social media at memoriesofamoonbird. Stay safe. Stay safe.